say my name until the city burns and the stars fade away and your scars don't hurt i will hold you till the sun comes crashing down i'm yours until the end of time hey everyone welcome to the restored to more podcast a listener supported podcast that is dedicated to restoring marriages to wholeness in christ after being affected by pornography and sexual brokenness After betraying charity with pornography and unwanted sexual behavior, we had no idea how to rebuild our relationship or even if it was possible to restore what was broken. Today, by God's grace, we have learned how to connect again, laugh again, and rebuild spiritual, emotional, and sexual intimacy to an even greater experience than before. Our goal is that as you hear our story, the stories of others, and the knowledge needed to heal, you too can have a marriage that is becoming restored to more. I'm yours until the end of time. Update everyone. Course one registrations are back open. Whoop, whoop. This is an eight week course starting Thursday, September 14th. That is designed to help you and your spouse start the journey to becoming restored to more. It will be led by R2M certified coaches, Cody and Michelle Larson. We will be focusing on how to cultivate safety and trust, healthy communication, deal with triggers, and begin to discover how God can use crisis to create closeness. You can see all the details on our website and can register today at www.restoredtomore.com slash courses. Also, if you have appreciated this podcast, a great way to say thank you is leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. These reviews help more people find the podcast and experience hope and healing. Say my name until the city. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Restored to More. We are so excited for today's episode. We are fortunate to have Hillary Morgan Ferrer on this podcast, and I'll let Charity tell you more about Hillary. Okay, so Hillary is the founder and Mama Bear-in-Chief of Mama Bear Apologetics. She is the chief author and editor of the best-selling Mama Bear Apologetics, Empowering Your Kids to Challenge Cultural Lies, and Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, Empowering Your Kids to Understand and Live Out God's Design. She loves helping moms to discern both truths and lies in science and culture, and she also specializes in understanding the root causes of doubt. She and her husband, John, have been married for 15 years and minister together as an apologetics team. Welcome, Hillary. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We feel so honored, so blessed. Um, your book has rocked my world. I know we were talking offline a little bit, but I just can't thank you enough for the work that you are doing and empowering us as moms so that we can have a language to start mm. to stand on firm biblical truth in a day where it is hard to stand for truth in the day and yeah. age that we live in, especially in the basis of sexuality and God's design. Yeah. Yep. Can we ask you, Hillary, just first of all, where did this passion come from? Because again, we just talked off air for a little bit before and you shared some really incredible things that happened to you while writing this book mm. and <laughs> even doing this ministry. And just, so where, where did that, where did that calling come from? I'd love to hear about that. 
Yeah. So like the ministry itself, it's kind of ironic because I've always been a daddy's girl. I've always hung out with guys. (laughs) Uh, I just never quite felt like I fit in with girls. And so it wasn't in, I've been into apologetics since I was young, like 12. Mm. And uh, it wasn't until a friend of mine made me aware that there was an entire demographic of women who would not read a book unless it was by women for women. Mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, well, who's getting them with the apologetics? And huh, that makes sense now that I think back to it, because every conference that's ever come through our church always has childcare, except for one type of conference. Can you Mm. guess what type of conference that is? Apologetics conferences. Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) For some reason, they just never had childcare. And so um, I don't know what happened just through a series of things. The Lord put a burning passion in my heart for moms. And so like the irony of this is I thought he was giving me this idea to pass this on to somebody else uh, because I I don't have kids and it it didn't look like that was going to be in the cards for us. And so I was like all excited. Who do you want me to pass this on to Lord? And uh, he was very clear that this was for me. And I was like, I don't think people are going to listen to me, but he kind of impressed upon my heart that I had something that moms don't have, which is time to research. (laughs) And so that's really been my life. The, you know, since, since then that's been my, my goal is to, uh, if the best mom I can be is helping to equip other mothers and to do the research that they may not have time to do, condense it down and really easy to understand language in a way that is practical specifically for their kids, not just for the information itself, but okay, Mm -hmm. how do we now translate this into kid language? Um, uh, all I can say is that's, that's, it's gotta be the Lord's calling because I'm obsessed. This is my obsession. I love to do this. Um, I'm, uh, you asked what was going on during the book and, uh, I will say that both books during during the writing of both books, there was a lot of spiritual attack. This one in particular was heinous. Um, I just, uh, I, it was physically affecting me to the point of where, I don't know if, if you want a fun Google, Google Mm. Whipple procedure. So it looked like I had pancreatic cancer by the time I was done with it. Um, it was growing through a a portion of my small intestine into my pancreas. And all the doctors said, we know cancer, this is cancer. I've had cancer before. We've been expecting cancer to come back. Uh, so they had to do the whole procedure, which is, uh, if you talk to any ICU nurse, will tell you, this is the worst surgery that somebody can have, um, or or like one of the worst, at least abdominal wise. I don't know about everything else. Every I see you nurses who's ever come and talked to me. She's like, that is the worst procedure. Mm. I'm like, yes, I know. But, um, it turned out it wasn't cancer. I don't know what was going on with that. So I'm still suffering a lot of the, the, things from that, just because they have to remove so many things, part of your stomach, part of your intestines, your gallbladder, uh, head of your pancreas, all the things. So Mm. uh, my husband and I joke about how I don't have babies. I have books and it's got a lot of the same scars. Mm. So, and, uh, but yeah, so I think especially during this book, there was just, you could tell that I didn't even want to write this book. This is my guilty little secret. The publisher had to approach me like two or three times before I finally agreed to this. Um, because I was honestly a little nervous about mm. the kind of level of attack that would come with a book like this. Cause yeah. I would say this, I would say sexuality is the God of our culture right now. Yeah. And you don't mess with the God of the culture without having all eyes suddenly on you in the spirit realm. So, wow. um, wow. it was definitely a thing. I think in my acknowledgements at the end, I say this book is the epitome of what it means for me to conquer fear, but wow. 
um, as I was going through it, I just started getting fired up and fired up and fired up because I was like, this needs to be said. And the Lord knows that if, if I see something that needs to be said, some kind of truth that's being maligned, that's where my mama bear comes up and I'm, you know, Dukes come out and I'm like, no, we're taking care of this. So, um, so the passion for that, probably the passion for the book came in the writing of the book. It did not come before the writing of the book. Wow. Wow. And it is bold to Mm. write on the topics that you talked about in the day and age that we are in and to even just put that out into the world. I mean, how much spiritual attack, how many haters there are, because right now we are a um, love all, accept all. And I think there's very different of loving and affirming (laughs) and and we we can get into that. But I just, man, I started getting teary eyed when you shared that because I just think so much like what a sacrifice you've done. I just can't thank you enough. And I just feel like when you're sharing, I felt like you were like a modern day Paul who is, who's so on fire for Jesus that it doesn't matter the, the uh, consequences and what you go through because you know that God's work is so much greater and that your future glory is going to be so much greater than the temporary things that we go on earth. And I'm just so blessed by that. And just want you to know that right now as you're sharing, I just, I envision you like that and um, it's not an easy task to take up our cross and to bear it and you're doing that so well. So um, just thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. And um, I just have to give a shout out to my husband that I would not be able to do any of this without him. He has been the one where I'm too weak to even pack my suitcase that I'll be languishing on the side while he packs a suitcase for his speaking engagement that I've accepted and he just serves me and makes sure I have everything I need in order to do this ministry. He studied in grad school for 12 years mm-hmm. to have an apologetics ministry. And now um, he is um, supporting me as, as I do basically what his dream was. And so, um, which tells you, why, you know, sometimes God calls the unexpected mm-hmm. people. And, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, I, I'm just so thankful to have a husband mm-hmm. that allows me to be able to do this, but it, it has been a very big sacrifice on us, but we got married knowing that this is what we wanted to do with our lives, that we were ministering together and we didn't know what that was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And so this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So thank you for acknowledging that. Cause I think a lot of people don't quite understand how, how, intense it can be, shall we say? Yeah. Well, and it's, I think sometimes it's just easier to, when you do go through something than to stop and say, okay, enough's enough. I don't want to go through that. But the fact that you're still putting one foot in front of the other is just yeah. incredible. Yeah. So Hillary, we, we talked, you right, right away hit on it, right? That sexuality is the God of our culture mm-hmm. and in this space. And we know that looking back through ages, we can see that it's always been a God. And today it's more twisted and accessible and it's in every single film, every single social media platform, it's all over. We can't even get away from it. But what you talk about is understanding how sex can actually point us to God, how our biology can point us to God instead of to everything else that's out there. Can we Mm -hmm. just ask you about that? You have, you have a, you have a education that most of us will never have in that area. And we'd love to tap into that as you can just explain whatever you'd like on that topic. 
Yeah. So this is something that I noticed back when I was an undergrad and I was in a class that was called motor learning. And it was teaching on how like basically the body learns movements through nerves and all this stuff. And it was at that point that I started going, wow, this is a really good analogy for discipleship. It's like, I, I look at the stuff that's in scripture and what I'm seeing with what happens to the body for learning how to do certain motions. That's exactly how spiritual discipline works. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. It's almost like it's a direct parallel. Uh, so I had my master's in biology and I will maintain forever that I worship more in that program than any other, than any seminary probably I could ever go to, because I felt like every time I learned something, especially in cell biology, I was learning about something on the spiritual level. And so I really feel strongly that the Lord has given us physical things that are meant to point to spiritual things. And we see this in like the old Testament when, when God has given the, um, the specifications for the tabernacle. I always remember thinking that's like super oddly specific. It's like, it has to be this, it has to have pomegranates right here. And it has to have this. And I was like, he's like really particular. Um, and it wasn't until I started reading the old Testament in terms of, no, he is trying to build an exact replica or not an exact replica, but a a human form replica Mm. of what is in heaven. He's Mm. trying to bring heaven to earth. And that's why he's so specific. Every single little thing there has meaning. And so when we start looking at the way our bodies work, and especially within gender, sexuality, marriage, sex, all the things, all of this is meant to point back to God. So we get a kind of a little inkling of this when Paul says, you know, when he's talking about marriage and he says, and of course, what I mean is the mystery um, of Christ in the church, you know, that marriage is supposed to be a mystery of Christ in the church. It's like, as Christopher West talks about, you see a wedding at the very beginning of scripture and you see a wedding, the wedding supper of the lamb at the very end of scripture. And I love just the theological aspect that a uh, girl named Rachel Gilson has written. And I quote her in my book, but she wrote a book called born again this way. And I think she really captures the theological essence of this. When God speaks of himself and his people being married, God is always the male and his people are always the female. Why does sex difference matter for the metaphor? First, the relationship by definition can't exist without both parties. So if you lack one of the parties, you destroy the picture. Lose the male from the marriage and you lose the picture of Christ. Lose the female and you lose the picture of the church. Second, the members are not interchangeable. Christ is not the church and the church is not Christ. Third, the male and female are different from each other, yet able to be united because of shared humanity. So too, God and his people are um, essentially vastly different. The gospel is about an uncrossable chasm, shockingly bridged. So we're seeing just in the aspect of male and female, it's like, that's the, like theologians have debated a long time. What exactly does it mean to be made in the image of God? And the only thing that we can really see that really distinguishes it is humanity and him saying they are made male and female humans in the image of God. And so that has to have meaning. And so um, if we get into the part about just the idea of sex, how is sex kind of like an overarching point to, to God? Um, this is what I say on page uh, 60 to 61 in the sexuality book. Uh, again, we have to look at our bodies as the language of God's mystery. Our sexuality is carved into the very bodies of male and female, the man coming into the woman and the woman willingly receiving the man, the joy, the ecstasy of oneness, 
there's a feeling of belonging, of being whole, almost a feeling of worship. And I think that feeling of worship, I, we, we see that Christian or non-Christian, they get that feeling of worship. We intuitively know there is something uh, like almost of the divine that we're partaking in mm. um, when, in the act of sex. It is such a spiritual, spiritual act. Um, there's tension, there is release, there is rest. Through this process, the man as the figure of Christ deposits part of himself into the woman. And she then unites a part of herself with the man's resulting in a bodily form of this one flesh union. It is a physical representation of the Lord's spirit working in us and through us, bringing new life and multiplying that life around us. And all of this takes place within the context of two people who have pledged themselves to each other forever, Mm. forsaking all others fully and without reservation. If sex is pointing to the greater reality of what's to come, and if it is a lesser version of the eternal reality to which it points, can you imagine what awaits for us for those who love God and have been called according to his purpose? If you can't, it's only because the picture on earth has become so perverted and distorted. Mm. And that's the part that I think is really, really telling because I know I've, I've heard people, you know, you try to say, hey, you know, sex is supposed to be point us towards this eternal reality with God. And in their head, they're picturing some like giant orgy between yes. God and all his people. But you have to think of we're the body. God, Christ isn't marrying each one of us. He's marrying the body. He's marrying the church. And so mm. it's like, it's not some big orgy going on, just like what the cells in my body are having some big cellular orgy, you know, mm-hmm. as they're functioning together. It's like, I am my body. I'm not each of those individual cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and when John married me, he's not having fun with just individual cells. He's, 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 he's mm-hmm. loving me as the wow. whole body. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, this is not some, it's not as perverted as it sounds like to some people. And we have to just do a gut check that if it sounds perverted, this is a clue that our view of sex has degraded that far. Mm. Wow. So powerful. Um, I, I feel like there's so many things I can go from there that I want to ask questions on. But I think one of the things that you talked in the book about this is, you know, that if we get this wrong and our misuse of our sexuality distorts the true knowledge of Christ, then you can't see the true creator. And that was so challenging to me because if you think of anything, right, like we all know, or I mean, I would, I would assume that there are certain brands that we all know. You see the Nike symbol and it doesn't say Nike, Mm -hmm. but you can see the symbol and know that, oh, those are Nike shoes because we know Mm -hmm. the design of the creator, right? And it's it's the same exact thing that if we distort sexuality from the way that God intended, then we're distorting the creator. And I just think like, oh my goodness, I even take that for me in our marriage that what we're dealing with is such a spiritual attack and battle. And I just want to speak to all the married couples who are listening to this and who are going through sexual brokenness in their marriage, that this is not just an earthly attack. This is a spiritual attack. And there's so much more to this that you're fighting on enemy ground. And I really believe that if we get divorced and, and there's some people who do get divorced and I'm not judging that, but if we get divorced, then we are distorting God's true design for marriage. Yep. And that mm-hmm. is exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to yep. distort to everybody out there. And so how can we as a married couple push through this adversity and this sexual brokenness to show Christ to the world? And for us, we believe it's that calling of yep. being together. And yep. so I would love for you to just, can you expand on that, 
on how that if, if you can't see God if the design is shattered. And I loved your fashion analogy. That was so good. Okay. Do you want me to do the fashion analogy? You can do whatever <laughs> no. one you want to. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to talk a little bit. So um, the fashion analogy here, I think I've got that worked. I'll just read that one real quick. Hopefully this isn't an interview with me just reading portions, but some of these, I, you know, I just said it well the first time. You did. <laughs> and people should go get that book. Yeah. Yep, it's, uh, it's good. You give them like a little in, preview. And it's like, oh, it's yeah, like here's wet, a little preview. wet in their taste for more. Yeah. And I, after I do this, I want to give some examples of what you can do with uh, with your kids, like your uh, especially your boys who may not like super <laughs> jive with the fashion analogy. Um, I want you to picture for a moment that you're a clothing designer. So, by the way, I love Project Runway. So this is probably where that came from. Uh, I want you to picture for a moment that you're a clothing designer who is about to present at Fashion Week. You've worked tirelessly for months creating a line that is beautiful, functional and that tells a very personal story. In fact, as the models walk down the catwalk, pieces of a poem you've written are shown on the screen behind them. And each line is only understandable by viewing the garment coming down the aisle. You have created poetry in form and in word, or sorry, in word and in form. It's an artistic masterpiece. Now picture the night before the fashion show. Someone comes in and cuts all your pieces up and resews them together in some odd fashion that is neither beautiful nor coherent. And that makes the poem you create carefully crafted sound like utter nonsense. Your name is on the fashion show, but it is no longer your work. And every person in the audience is now judging you, your skill, and your message by this chopped up, incoherent mess that they see in front of them. Based on what they see, they don't understand you. They now reject you. Your reputation is in tatters and your message is lost. Friends, this is what humanity has done to God. So true. Wow. So this idea that I think gender, marriage, sex, and family were intended to point to God. So again, like our boys aren't going to really understand this analogy. So another analogy that we can give them is, and of course, if you ever do this, make sure that they have no clue that you're going to start talking about mm-hmm. sex because you want to get them nice and riled up and angry first. <laughs> and just say, oh, you know, I'm just wondering what would happen like if you have a, a you know a child that plays sports and say they're really good at it and say, hey, you know, there, there's a college recruiter that's specifically coming out to see you uh, coming up. Well, the day comes, he gets strep throat. He has to stay home. And one of his teammates says, oh, the college recruiter is coming out to see him. Mm. I'm going to put on his jersey. And it's one mm. of the weakest players on the team. How would that make you feel? Mm. Oh, you'll see your boys <laughs> or your girls too. Our girls are getting recruited yeah. as well. So it's not just boys. Uh, you'll see them get hopping mad. Like how dare they put on my jersey, pretend to be me. And then not like now that recruiter's never going to look at me again. Mm. Um, or or you can have someone who comes in and switches names, you know, uh, puts something, you know, an, an art piece that you did under their name instead of under your name. Mm. And you, they put your name under this really, you know, kind of chopped up, not so good. Anything that misrepresents who you are. I mean, if we want to talk about another God in this culture, it's, you know, being your authentic self and having everybody acknowledge you for who you really are. Um, why are we not extending that same grace to God? Yeah, if absolutely. he is saying that, so good. yeah, if he's saying this is how I'm to be known, we have just said, no, I think I'm going to present you however I want to present you. Mm. Um, and then we wonder why people are rejecting him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, I, I just love the, all those analogies so much. And I just think, man, like we have such a 
we really need to get back to that and get focused on that. And it makes so much sense to me why we have generations that are just so confused on God because we are not doing and showing others and non-believers an example of Christ. Even in just some of the things that you're talking about, we're confused. We don't have answers. We're shaky. And so why in the world would they want to follow a God that we're not even, you know, we should be able to walk around and they should be able to see, oh, they love Jesus. Just as if you were wearing Nikes. Oh, that's that's a Nike creator, you know? And we have lost sight of that so much because of culture and where they are. And I would love to hear about how how do you come from an approach where you empower your kids because here we are right now right we have three little boys they're five four and two and our oldest Mm -hmm. is in this mindset right now where he is like um mommy they did this they said stupid they you know they're being that moral police (laughs) that you talked about in the book and so Uh I want to know how do you empower kids to live in the countercultural world. Um, kind of like we were talking in the beginning, I think there's a fine difference between loving because we are called to love and affirming. And I would love yeah. to know how, how we could even start doing that. I know that's probably a very long answer, but how <laughs> to even start doing that with your children. Okay. If I forget what the question is in a second, remind me, but I wanted to say one thing first to that. And this is what I think in general needs to be happening. Um, as I was studying for this book and I was going over and over and over again in Romans one, the 18 through 32, this is kind of like that passage where, uh, they, you know, did not worship God or give thanks to him, but instead their foolish hearts were darkened. And they basically, then they, they started a sexual immorality. Then their minds become depraved instead of just futile. And then they start into same sex stuff. And then they're basically, their minds just explode into every kind of evil you can possibly imagine, the thing that stuck out to me in that passage was the gateway to all of these things. And I would say some people say pride is the original sin. And I would actually disagree. I think, I think I might've finally identified, you know, I could change my mind in 10 years. (laughs) The original sin is ingratitude. Mm. And this idea of ingratitude, I think when it comes to um, everything, when we're living counterculturally, the more grateful you are for the things that you have, you're grateful for the mercy that's shown you. You're grateful for the body that, that God's given you, even if it doesn't work perfectly. Uh, you're, you're grateful for what you can do. All these instilling a heart of gratitude, I think, number one, prevents uh, a lot of sin things because sin is usually trying to grasp something that we think we deserve that we don't instead of being grateful. But number two, it affects the way we treat other people. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the more grateful we are, the more, um, I think, mercy we have mm-hmm. on other people. So that would be first. Uh, number two, I would really do a study on the persecuted church in the New Testament epistles, because one of the things that I've been kind of uh, really thinking about for the last several years is how we are entering a time of exile. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, the the dirty little secret that I think a lot of people don't realize is we think that we're in this cultural war and I don't think we are anymore. I think we've lost the cultural war and we need to start learning how to live as exiles. Wow. Um, there's going to be maybe certain little pockets that are still basically haven't heard yet. Like there was some movie, I can't remember, maybe it was like a Gilligan's Island or something like that, where they encountered these um 
people on an island who still thought that World War II was going on. <laughs> and they're trying to convince them the war is over, the war is over. But they're still like, you know, holding down their battlefront, even though they haven't gotten messages from their commander in 40 years. And um, in a lot of ways, we have lost the culture war. Mm. And, and we need to start looking at how do we live as exiles. Mm. And one of the things that really stuck out to me as I'm reading through um the, the portions in scripture, especially the epistles on the people who are living as the persecuted church is they are never focused on what the culture is doing. They are focused on what they themselves and the church is doing. Mm. It is always inwardly focused in terms of morality. It is never really, it is never outwardly focused in terms of morality. In mm. fact, the everyone around them don't, don't just recognize their, they'll, they'll recognize the good works, but their morality, they actually turned into like, it was bizarre and it was evil and all these things, um, and twisted it into, you know, like they, they would have something called love feasts or whatever. I can't remember if the Christians called it that or the other people did. And so they just assumed that these Christians were having, I don't know, I've never said the word orgy this many times in a podcast, <laughs> um, you know, having these, you know, love feasts. And this was basically the Lord's supper. And so mm, well. they were trying to twist everything the church was doing into something that they would be doing. Wow. Um, but anyway, it's like, if, if you look at how many times it says, keep yourself from this, make sure you don't do this. It is mm. never about make sure the culture is doing mm. this or that. Um, and so I think that, uh, and it, especially the passage where it talks about who am I to judge those outside the church? Are we not to judge those inside the church? It's holding each other accountable in the sense of, are you a professing Christ believer? Is this truly what you believe? Mm. Um, and if so, um, then yeah, we need to be holding each other accountable because I would say the number of people that are leaving Christianity and citing hypocrisy, you know, hypocrisy is always going to be there. I have the sign down the street for me when my husband and I lived in Dallas, it says our church isn't full of hypocrites. There's room for you too. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, but we really need to be holding the church accountable. So it's very much this inward focus in terms of morality. So if, your child is wanting to go call somebody else on their junk. Mm. Um, first off, let's, let's talk about reading the passage about taking the plank out of your own eye. Why did that make you mad that they did that? What mm. are some things that um, you have done that someone hasn't called on called upon you? I'm actually dealing with this right now with, um, with someone where I really felt burned that I needed to say something. They had something that frankly just made me angry when I saw it, that a Christian would post something like this. And I had to go through all my own junk first. There is no better time than to go through a full, full repentance than when you start seeing something that you're like, I'm pretty sure the Lord's calling me to say something about this, but I better get my house in order wow. first. And I'll tell you what, I've had a good, you know, two days of like conviction and repentance and on my face before the Lord. Wow. And it's like this beautiful opportunity um, because there if we're coming to someone in righteous anger, there's only really one person that needs to come in righteous anger. And that's mm. Jesus. Mm. I have to wait until my motivation is I'm concerned. And I love this person so much mm. that I'm going to say something. And mm. if I can't find that in me, I need to basically keep getting rid of my own junk. So I think teaching our kids to be very um, self-aware in terms of their own sin, I mm. think we can't, overstate that enough. Now we don't want to do it to the point of where they're just beating themselves up because granted that could go the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, just having this stronghold placed on me when I was in high school where like, I don't, I think I had kind of a spirit of pride back then. I, you know, I didn't drink, I didn't party. I didn't do all these things. I was saving sex, all the, all the things, you know? And so of course, you know, I felt 
morally superior. And I remember I started getting to the point of where I, I started feeling bad about myself. And I started thinking I'm a horrible person. And my brain says, oh, yay, humility. And basically that's not humility. And that, I think that was a spirit of false humility. And it plagued me, I mean, up until now where I have to recognize that for what it is. So we don't want to go down that wrong path of where beating myself up and feeling horrible about myself is like this better alternative than feeling better than everybody else. Mm. Um, that's not the direction either. So, um, and again, I guess this would always point back to the, the road is narrow that you can fall on either side and defining which area, what does it look like to fall on this side of the road? What does it look like to fall on that side of the road? How do we make sure that we ourselves are in a position to where we can actually help someone? Um, and then finally, something that my pastor used to say all the time from the pulpit, he's like, y'all need to put down your deputy Holy Spirit badge. <laughs> and so this is something you can kind of jokingly do with your kids and be like, are you being the deputy Holy Spirit? Because our... <laughs> Our job is not, we were not sent into the world to convict people of sin. That's like literally the Holy Spirit's job description. Mm. Um, and so now we are called to hold brothers and sisters accountable to what the Spirit has already revealed in Scripture. But our job is not to convict of sin. Um, that is the Holy Spirit's job. So um, there's a delicate balance. But so, you know, this is one of those funny things of, you can say, are you being deputy Holy Spirit? Um, and they can kind of laugh at it and then they don't feel like, oh yeah, I did it again. And then feel horrible about, about themselves. I think a lot of times turning things into something that's sort of funny is, is a good way to call people on stuff um, without it being all serious and, and just gut wrenching and stuff. I could not agree more. Yeah. We love making our kids laugh. I feel like if we can like break the ice of laughter, then it just... It, it gives some room to breathe in a yes. very serious conversation. Yeah. 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 I'm taking well, so many notes over here. Flight. I'm just flying through these notes, Hillary. I'm like, <laughs> I can't write fast enough. I'm just praying that when I come back, I can actually read what I'm writing. So this is no. so good. Just keep it going. <laughs> um, I want to share a personal story um, that happened recently with our child. And I just want to hear maybe your perspective on it, maybe what you would do in this, um, scenario. So we have a, a like I said, a five-year-old boy, he, um, attends a private, uh, preschool and mm -hmm. he came home one day and said, mommy, did you know that girls can marry girls and boys can marry boys? Cause we talk about marriage a lot in our house. We talk yeah. about, he sees us kissing and we, you know, we talk uh, about God's design for marriage. And so when he came home and said that, I knew it was good, bound to happen, just like pornography. We're grateful. We're grateful. But I was just, yeah. at the same time, also just very taken back, like, wow, it's already happening in your five. Like, yeah, oh my gosh. It's five years old. Yeah. I was like, whoa. And so I just want to know, what is your, what would you encourage a mm. parent to say when sure. their kid comes home? And, and I mean, we are just seeing it and hearing it so much more. I never thought that I actually would have to educate myself on this yet. I knew it was yeah. probably going to be, but I didn't sure. know it, this just stirred in us something very deep of like, okay, we need to be ready. We need to, we yep. need to have answers. Yeah. We need to know what we stand on, on truth. And so what would you tell what a parent? Yeah. yeah. What would yeah. that look yeah. like? First off, I would ask them what they mean by marriage, because like, I remember when my nephew um, was young, he would always say uh, to my mom, Ruru, that's her grandma name, Ruru, long story behind that one. Um, I'm going to marry Ruru one day. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think for kids, the idea of marrying someone means basically you get to be friends and get to be roommates and hang out all the time. Yes. Um, 
And so to, to, to say, I've, I've heard people say, oh, my kid said he wants to marry a boy. He must be gay and he's four. And I'm like, no, he wants to be friends with that kid and, and live with him and have fun. That's probably what he's meaning. Yeah. Um, so first off, just finding out what do you, what do you think marriage is? So um, but this, this will actually be a shameless plug for, we have, um, I wanted to do something unique with the study guide. And so it's not full on study guide, study guide. We call it a discipleship workbook. Mm. So we were able in, in the first mama bear book to have a lot more examples of things that you could do with your kids, but I was not able to get as many as I would have liked into the second book, just because there was so much information mm. we had to get in there. So we have a whole bunch, at least two or three discipleship opportunities per chapter for things like this. And we actually go through uh, this case specifically where we discuss our, with our kids when they kind of get to that age, the difference between civic, civic laws and God's laws mm -hmm. um, and the idea between civic marriage and biblical marriage. And so we can say that not everything that that the laws of this land, there's like, you know, God's not going to. There's nothing in God's law that says you have to stop at a red light, but that's a civic law. We have to do that. And if we obey God, we obey that. But there's also some times where you don't have righteous people in, in power and they give laws to something that is against God's law. And so at that point, we have to decide which citizen are we really, which citizenship are we going to choose? Are we going to choose the citizenship of our country? Or are we going to be choosing the citizenship of heaven? And the citizenship of heaven always comes first. That's mm. our primary citizenship. Mm. And so we can like, you know, look at little Venn diagrams of, you know, which things fall within both do not murder. Okay. That's both civic mm. and God's law. Um, you know, the stop it or written, stop at a stop sign. That would be a civic law. Um, so kind of teaching them the difference between that. And, and then you can use it to explain saying, um, this is how God created things. This is why he created, uh, this is how God created marriage. This is why he created marriage. This idea of being in a lovely relationship for eternity. Like th this is something I had someone point out this idea that we have of this endless love, endless love, just kidding. Um, it's like for, for people who are notorious, notoriously mortal, this is a weird concept. There's no reason why we should have this longing um, for something that really doesn't exist if there is no God. Mm. And so um, again, talking about how marriage, it's this eternal love relationship that uh, involves, you know, the choosing of one another and living in unity and creating new creations. Like basically the, the command to go out and be fruitful and multiply is exactly the same as the great commission, go and make disciples therefore. And so it's like, these are the same commands. One of them is a physical thing. One of them is kind of more of a spiritual thing. Yeah. So again, talking about what yeah. marriage is, what's, what it's intended to be. And you can only get this across to kids at, you know, certain ages. So hopefully we have some more like little tidbits that it'll help for kid friendly language so in there. But as they're growing up, we're just building on this concept. So good. Oh, I just love it. I feel like I just, I'm so enlightened by just the fact that it's an ongoing conversation. You know, you're getting, mm -hmm. we're, I just love that we're completely getting rid of this one talk about birds and bees. Hmm. And we're like, yes. what even is that anymore? Right. And it's this mm -hmm. ongoing conversation <laughs> and not, and, and the purpose is not even a sex talk. The purpose is a God talk mm. and sex mm -hmm. points us to God. Mm. And I just think yes. that's so powerful as we as parents grab a hold of that because then we're, we're teaching theology. We're teaching a relationship with Jesus and we're going way yeah. beyond and we're, and we're realizing that God uses biology to point us to himself and enter into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And I think that's just, if we can even think about it like that as parents, 
it gets rid of the fear mm. because we're not mm-hmm. talking about sex. We're talking about Jesus. Mm. And yeah. it's like, oh, I'll talk about Jesus to my kids all day long, but sex and oh, like, oh. Mm. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> they're actually very similar and they're, they're all pointed to the same area. Mm. They're not separate mm-hmm. topics. They all come yeah. together. And I just, such a beautiful picture that you're painting yeah. and I'm just so grateful for it all. It's so good. Oh, so good. You. Can I can I ask you, Hillary? I know we got to wrap up this podcast, but I just want to ask, mm-hmm. how can our listeners get more plugged into what you're doing? We're going to put so much of your resources in the show notes. Um, but just for those that are only listening that can't maybe click on that, where can they go to get a hold of all that you've done and what is next for you? So if you want the absolute best price on the first book, go to Hobby Lobby. Like it's like barely what I pay, what I have to pay if I want to get it. I'm like, I don't think I'm making any money off of any of those Hobby Lobby books. So if you want to support me, go to Amazon. But if you want to get the most price, go to Hobby Lobby. There's the realness. There's the truth. There we go. <laughs> Seriously, it's so cheap there. It's like $8.50. Wow. Um, so that that's one place to go. I would say that one of the things that I love about these books is that women are coming together and they're doing them together. And I think guys and girls, I mean, like it's, it's, I wrote it specifically to moms because of the whole women won't read something by a woman unless it's, or won't read something unless it's by women for women. Um, so dudes can just get through a couple mom jokes and they'll be just as blessed by the material. Um, so I would say, but find groups to go through it with. Um, we have the study guide for the first book. That's just, it's good for self or group study. Uh, the discipleship workbook that's going to be coming out in September for the sexuality book. Um, uh, that that's going to have a whole lot more like concrete examples and activities that you can do with your kids. Um, you can follow us on, I'm never on Twitter. I consider that the wasteland, but, uh, Amy, Amy and, and Lindsay, you know, are on there. And so we post stuff there. I'm really involved on Instagram cause I can have all these like pictures of cute animals and it's not as <laughs> depressing as some other social media. Um, so I, I interact a lot on there. So Instagram and then Facebook, uh, we do a lot of interaction on Facebook. So, um, yeah. And just keep an eye out for whenever we have a book coming out. Uh, I think some of the, the sweetest times are when people are on the book launch team and we really mm-hmm. kind of get to know each other. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we won't have another one of those for, um, for a little while. I don't know if they'll want to do a book launch for the, the workbook, but, um, but I think the next book probably will be out next year, like next fall. Um, so yeah. And, oh, and just sign up for the newsletter. Cause one of the things that I like to say is we are really not guaranteed to be on social media forever. I'm just sure. got to cross mm-hmm. my fingers for, yep. you know, the day that all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, your account is just deleted. <laughs> um, so sign yep. up for the, the, um, the newsletter. Honestly, we don't send out that much stuff because we forget, <laughs> but when we do, we send a summary of all the stuff that's been published. So it's not going to be one of those things that bombards your inbox, like, you know, every other day. Um, so yeah, those are all the ways to stay connected and, uh, look, look forward to just, you know, interacting with you over on all the socials. Well, seriously, guys go get that book because I mean, I think we only hit on two questions and there's this book is, it's a gold mine and there's so much wisdom in it. And I mean, just understanding that your body matters, that your, that your kids' bodies matters, that there's purpose and meaning to it. And there's just so many incredible things on their boundaries with kids. And I mean, just everything you've educated so well in this book. And uh, I'm probably going to pick it up again, even though I just finished it because it's so good. So um, go pick <laughs> up that book because it's yeah. amazing. And I just want to say too, as you think of Hillary, just pray for her, pray for the mm. ministry they're doing. Yeah. Um, I just feel like to say that as we close out, that there is so much work that you're doing 
in the area and these two different books that you've written just to empower the kids on cultural lies and then to empower your kids on understanding healthy sexuality and God's mm-hmm. design for that. There are not enough resources on these topics and there's not enough people that are willing to do what you said and be courageous and talk about this. And so as you think about what she's doing, yes, of course, buy the books, but also spread the word and uh, and do that mm-hmm. however you can. So mm-hmm. we just want to bless you, Hillary. Thank you so much for being with mm-hmm. us today. You have, you just, yeah, we're just grateful. You've added so much value and uh, just the way you get to talk and be here. We're, we're excited about mm-hmm. the impact this episode's going to have. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm yours until the end of time. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, follow us on Instagram and sign up for the upcoming course. You can also connect with us on the ask us anything page at restored Also quick note, all the work at restored to more Inc, including this podcast is made possible by our donors and financial partners. We wouldn't be here without those who have generously given to the cause of restoration. If you ever feel led to give, you can do so on the donate page on our website, 